0: Hi, welcome to Outrageous, a podcast where we talk about race, media, culture, politics, and everything in between. My name is Chris. I'm in New York City, and I'm joined by my very best friends, Trisha in LA. Hello. And Jason in DC. Hello. Hi, guys. So we are going to be doing something special tonight. We have decided that uh, we are going to dig down deep into some of our recommendations and really talk about them, to talk about why we love them. And this week, we are going to be talking about the movie Parasite, which won not one, not two, but like a ton of Oscars this year. Uh, it's the South Korean film by Bong Joon-ho, and I recommended it a while back. So that makes me a superstar. If you have not seen the movie Parasite, don't listen to this right now because we're going to spoil everything <laughs> uh and when you have seen it come back and give it a listen and tell us if you agree or disagree with what we're saying but basically we're talking about how much we love it so spoiler alert spoiler alert! spoiler alert okay here we go the movie set in present-day south korea where there is a poor family the kim family uh and there's a father mother a daughter and a son a confluence of events. They ingratiate themselves with a rich family and they all get um, jobs working for this rich family, the Park family. However, it takes a turn when the people they ousted from their jobs, the former housekeeper, uh, has a secret. She returns to the house and is revealing that her husband has been living underneath the Park estate for some time. There are some fisticuffs, (laughs) there is a death, and in the final chapter of the movie, there's brutal violence that breaks out between the families in what is a grand misunderstanding. This movie is a discussion on class uh, in South Korean society, and it has caught on like gangbusters. So let's just talk about what we liked about the movie. I'm gonna start with you, Tricia.
1: So I really loved the performance aspect of the first act, the infiltration of the poor family into the wealthy family. And though, like the fact that it's like a movie within a movie was really compelling to me because the sister and the brother, what's our, you know, what's our, who's our character? How are we doing this? And when the son is working with his dad to get his lines right, like, no, 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 too much, too much, too heavy on this. Go back, repeat that line. Like, I love that segment. I just, and I actually really enjoy the daughter the infiltrating daughter. I thought she yeah. was really clever. The art therapist daughter, I just found her really engaging to watch. And I love the, the various sort of beats in her character. She seems kind of sort of trippy and kind of careless in the way that she's pursuing this. But then there are the moments when she and the family are sitting around getting drunk. In the and and those moments that came out of her anger and kind of resentment of the life that she's leading. I really love those moments. So um yeah, that sort of initial infiltration from the poor family to the wealthy family is really, that's when it drew me in. I was like, ooh, this is going to be a fun ride.
0: <laughs> Jason, what'd you like about this film?
2: Oh man, I liked so much. And I, I've only seen it once. I really can't wait to see it again because I'm sure I'll see more that I loved. But a couple of things... I love the way the film uses up and down. So as you said, Chris, there's a man living under the house in squalor. And, you know, he's not getting exercise. He's not getting proper nutrition. The The main family, the poor family at the center of it all, they live, you know, in, in what looks like maybe a slum, and they live far down. And there's the part of the movie where there's a just a torrential rain, and the water's just flowing down into where they live. And you know, the, literally, that is how that's the physicality of a lot of our societies, right? Like the you know, the wealthier people live up high, as that family does. You have to climb a bunch of steps to get to the wealthy family's house, and and it just puts the poor family at such a disadvantage. And again, we know that's true in real life, and and metaphorically. Um, it was uh, that was just great. So I really liked that. The other thing I really liked, and you both kind of touched on this moment—the moment when the poor family is alone in the rich family's house and and hanging out and getting drunk as a family, unbeknownst to the rich family. The rich family doesn't even realize they're related. And there's this moment when they're really drunk, and the husband, who throughout the movie is such a gentle soul, he grabs his wife's shirt. And 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 looks like he's about to hit her, and there's like this moment everyone stops, and then he kind of laughs and he says, "Of course I wouldn't do that." And and his wife says, "Yeah, because I'd kill you." But it's this moment where it's like, "Oh wow!" Like I thought he was such a n- nice guy, and then, oh my goodness, maybe he's capable of brutality. But then it's like, "Oh no, 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 he's not." And then of course at the very end, you know, and obviously very much provoked, but he he actually uh, does per- um, exert some real brutality. So I don't know. I just, I love that. It was just so well put together. I have a real
0: thing for structure in stories and films. And the thing that I loved about this was that to me, there was like three separate acts to this film. Mm -hmm. The first act what Trisha's talking about is like this kind of comedic first act where they're all lying to this rich family to get them to, you know, get all, all of them on the payroll. And like, the mrs park the rich woman like she seems so silly right yeah. <laughs> she's so seems so silly and we're laughing along we're rooting for this family as they're doing this thing and you know yeah they get rid of all the other workers and but it's it's kind of played for laughs and then there's that moment when the housekeeper comes back and she's like i just need to get something from the basement and when she runs down that stairs and the camera follows her i Sitting in the theater with a friend, and I was like, "Oh my god, what is this movie? Is it gonna be some weird ass horror movie?" And the <laughs> movie shifts, and the second part of the movie is really the conflict between those two poor families fighting for scraps, fighting for recognition. Yeah. and like they, that part, I love how that part ends with the rich family coming back home unexpectedly, and them all running around trying to appease and hide, and you know lower themselves and like stay invisible. And then the last part of course is the the most metaphorical part when the violence actually happens uh i i loved like the little touches the way that they talked about how the poor people smelled right and the rich people were so aware of how the poor people smelled and in that moment like when the violence breaks out from mr kim the father of the poor family like when he sees Mr. Park turn his nose mm-hmm. and just go, oh, like in the midst of all the chaos and violence of that birthday party. It's like, oh. And it's like, he just had to kill him. Like, I I get it. Like as a metaphor, it, it makes sense. It's it's so painful to watch because you can feel it, you know? Oh, So Well,
1: how does it work for you as a metaphor? Is it the sense that you can never really get rid of the stain of poverty? Like it's always on you?
0: I think I think there's so many metaphors in the movie, like Jason said, like upstairs, downstairs, and Bong in his interview said like he like he likes the symbolism of upstairs, downstairs. Like you said, like their house is on a hill. Mm-hmm. You know, they live downstairs. That both the poor families live underground. As a metaphor, though, it I, I think it works on every level. Like it works on the fact that like poor people literally live underneath. Right, Des- trying to stay invisible, fighting for scraps with each other, while people living with so much excess they don't even know what to do and they don't even notice it. Like I, the whole movie is a metaphor, I think that way. Right? And, the, well, and the- also, the violence is just like a metaphor for class warfare. At the end, like it's it's very much eat the rich, well stab them
2: anyway. <laughs> Jason, just w- another thing on the the up and down. Mister Park repeatedly talks about not wanting the people who work for him to cross the line and at one point he's talking about mr kim and it seems like they're getting along really well when mr kim's his driver says to his wife he comes close to crossing the line but he doesn't cross it and it's like that's like such a big deal to him like do not treat me as an equal right like do not ask me questions that are too personal um i just uh I, i just thought that was so so powerful and telling and You know, obviously he crosses the line when he goes and and actually stabs him. But the other thing, and I think about your question, Tricia, I mean, I think so. So the very end of the movie, right, you have this vignette where the son is, you know, says, I'm going to all I'm going to care about now is making money. I'm eventually going to buy this house and they play it out. And it's like, wait a minute, is he actually buying the house? Are they actually liberated? And of course, in the end, they're not. They're an intact family mother father uh sister brother it's not a huge family um obviously they're not super educated but the son clearly has had some education they ha- he he is friends with someone who's in college they're clearly very intelligent they you know they they have certain academic skills like this family actually has a lot going for it and still can't break out of, you know, living underground, being under society. And it just shows because we all know there are families that have much less going for them that have no shot again. And this one that actually had a lot going for it, even them, there is that line, there is that ceiling that they cannot get through.
1: Well, I think also when the families, the two poor families, the, the, um, the housekeeper, um, the original housekeeper whose husband is trapped in the basement and the now poor family um, begin to sort of duke it out, they talk about the fact that, they, um, that they're both in debt because that's the source of Mr. Kim's problem, right? Well, that's
0: serious. also, yep. I'm sorry to cut you up, but that's also why the housekeeper's husband lives under the house because his yeah. loan sharks are after him. He's so poor. He's forced yeah. to live there.
1: Yeah, but also in some sense, I think the, the idea is that you can try to pursue an opportunity, but there are always people ready to exploit you with egregious like loan sharking. And because mm-hmm. that's what he says, they had, a, they had a functional business, but it then went belly up and it didn't quite work out. And then you also get the sense that that's also what happened to Mr. Kim as well. Because these people are in some sense fairly talented, as Jason is saying. They have skills. So these are people who move through and in between situations. You can imagine them holding down different jobs at different times, particularly the husband and wife. It feels like there's like a long history of that couple, like anchoring for doing different things. But one thing I wanted to talk to you all about is the father, um, Mr. Kim, Mr. Kim saying to his son, when they are, um, when they're after the flooding of their apartment and they're in that um, gym, it looks like a gym or a basement or something, um, a school site. And, the, and he talks to his son about not having plans, the value of not having plans. Remember that scene where he says, if you don't have a plan, nothing can go wrong. To me, that struck me as his kind of his life philosophy. That explains kind of his approach to living is kind of take it as I come, and then it then seemed really connected to the son's decision towards the end of the movie that I'm gonna have a plan, unlike my father, I'm going to map out the possibility. Do you know what I mean? Actually, really
0: really good because you know I think I don't remember that speech in the school in the shelter that they were in. In the shelter, yeah. it, It does make sense that I mean it makes sense that that character. Mr. Kim would feel that way. Because like we're saying, like these were talented people and how they arrived in this situation, it's ever—it's not actually clear. Like no. I don't know enough about South Korean politics and economy to know, but it's not exactly clear how they ended up in this situation if they were in a loftier position before. But you know, the sense that I get, especially in chapter two, is that this family has been poor and on the margins for a long time. Right, that's the sense that yes. I get. But yeah, I it, but I,
1: like, like all families, Jason's saying is that there's always a moment where you might go over to the edge, right? Like mm-hmm. your one paycheck from not being able to be in your place, or yeah, plenty you know, of families. Plenty of families are like that, right?
0: Which is what I think this movie is so brilliant in in playing with is because, like, in the beginning of the movie, and tell me if you're wrong, but in the beginning of the movie, you can identify with these characters, right? Yeah. like sure. you know, they're trying to. They're trying to do better, you know, and sure, it's, it gets a little shady and there's a lot of lying and whatever, but it's also kind of funny and we're getting one over on the rich people and we really feel like we're on the Kim side. But the brutality of the economic situation in chapters two and three, it's, it's not funny anymore. And especially watching like these poor families fight to live un- literally underneath other people, like that's the place. That's when
2: the tragedy uh, starts to
0: come through I don't know. This movie is just so perfect to me. Yeah,
2: no, I agree. And, you know, another thing that's interesting, I mean, it's easy to watch the movie and be like, oh, well, the damn 2%, you know, they're, they're the problem. And that's very much a part of the movie. But I think about the beginning, which is still in the first act, the very beginning, when the family is trying to make money by folding pizza boxes. Mm-hmm. And you remember they're basically hired and fired by like, I don't know, a 16-year-old. <laughs> yeah. And- it, it, I don't know. It's just it's so real, and in some way, I saw that as like we're kind of all culpable, right? Because we want our pizza boxes a certain way, and damn it, if the pizza's cold, like we're gonna be pissed. And you know, for and and you saw like as, you know the girl was clearly uncomfortable with her role at, as hiring and firing this family. But it was—I don't know—that was just so real. Like that's the reality of our society. Like this family doesn't have access to a lot of opportunities for income. This was one, and because like some small percentage of boxes, one of the corners wasn't folded correctly, they're out. Like they're out of an income. Like it's—I thought that was very real.
1: Do you know what I actually also really liked about the poor family? But and I also want to ask you all what you think about the rich family. But what I appreciated about the poor family was their—I mean, (laughs) I'm not a fan of hustling. But I have to say, I appreciated their sort of grit and they, they were not humdrum people. They were sort of like taking it on the chin, like, okay, this is what we do. We're professionals. Like there was an element of the grifter in them. And so they didn't, they didn't strike you as people who were downtrodden and felt like they were, um beaten up by life like they were like no this is our thing this is our hustle like they had they a very a bit, specific air
0: which they're a bit different. roguelike like yeah, right were, like, you know they live on the margins yeah and while they don't enjoy being there they've adapted to it yes which i think is kind of the point that bong is making in the movie right well
2: no i mean actually just to illustrate that point remember the very beginning about the wi-fi yeah like they weren't giving <laughs> yeah. up they weren't going to be like, we just can't have Wi-Fi. They were going to go to the one corner where they could steal someone's Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah. Like They were going to make it work. And they just adapted to
0: it. And the situation is so shitty. But they're like, well, this is just what we're doing. So I see what you're saying, Trisha. I think, I mean, I don't think the movie could have worked if they were like dour. Oh, I mean, the first be. part of the movie is supposed yeah. to be yeah. funny, right? Yeah. But <laughs> so they, they do seem a little sprightly. They do seem a little like, you know, <laughs> like catches catch can. Well, like.
1: It helps that they're that way because then you are sort of on their side. You're sort of championing their scheme, Mm -hmm. but then you're looking for those moments where you can make a decision about sort of, I mean, I hate to say it like why they're failing, how they're failing, right? Like I I thought that scene, which you didn't recall, but the scene with the father and the son, the father, the son clearly needed something from the father in that moment. Mm -hmm. And that's when he made the decision to pick up the rock the next day is to go back and get that money rock and take control because he felt like his that's father right. wasn't yeah. taking control, remember? And then you also get hints of that with the daughter. Like, there was a hint of frustration between the daughter in that drunken scene. Like, the father is thinking about the limousine driver who had been fired. And she was like, don't worry. Like, why are you don't thinking wor- about him? Think about us. Like, we-, we are not doing well, right? So that that's like a little bit of the mask starts to come off with the children and the father and the parents. And I started to wonder to myself, do the parent, do the children feel like the parents have failed them in some way? Like, you know what I mean? Because there were some, there's some angry moments a little bit. It's, it's sharp and it's very quick, right. but they're there, you know?
2: Yeah.
0: I no, like that, that's that. true. Yeah. I really like that. I think I'd have to go back and look it again to see if that's, if it, it fits into the narrative very neatly, right? Uh, I wonder if it's actually there, but I think. Whether whether he intends it to be or not, I think just the description of this family situation, by definition, by the time the movie starts, the parents have failed the children in some way. Pretty and much. And then later, yeah. And then later on, I mean, if 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 Mr. Kim's going on about like, well, I've never really had a plan. Well, then where does that leave your adult children? <laughs> like, what have you been doing for the past twenty years of their life? If you like, you're living in a basement folding pizza boxes. Like, maybe if you had had a plan, we wouldn't be doing this. Which again what we're talking about, like the end of the movie, like the fantasy in the boy's head about him having a plan to make money and get the house. You know, they asked Bong about that. They asked the director about that scene and he called it the, it was like his coup de grace scene. It was like the surefire kill, I think is the word he used. It's like, it's, it's meant to brutally underscore and underlie the fact that that will never happen ever, no matter how long that boy lives. You know, and he's writing this letter to his father, which at the end you see he never sends. Like, there's no way it's going to happen there. He's always going to live underground. It ends in a super sad place. Do it's kind of dark. He
1: talks about that. He talks about that, about the choice to end. Because he was yeah, saying that, that embrace scene, the fantasy scene, I feel like an American movie would have ended there. You know, like, oh, son, embrace. And so you could kind of leave the movie theater kind of hopeful that the yeah. fantasy happens. But then by including the very next shot (laughs) of the son sitting there writing, I'm like, oh, that's when it occurred. I was like, oh, yeah, this is probably not going to happen, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, That was his point. If the movie ended with them getting back together, then like you said, you could feel good about it. But when the movie ending with you seeing that he can't do it, then it really underscores the fact that the situation that created the poor, the Kim's family separation from society you can't undo it, the boy's gonna have to adapt to the fact that his father lives under this house. Just like they've been adapting this whole time.
1: I think what it also suggests too is that it's not within the individual to change it. We just arrived at this idea that the parents have failed the kids, but maybe society has failed the parents and their ability to actually do things for the kids, right? And well, so- I think
0: that I think that's a big point of the movie. I, guess, I think that's a yeah. big part. Just because when the other family is introduced, I think that part, you're talking about Trisha really gets the light shone on it.
1: What do you mean the other family, the poor family? When you
0: yeah, when you meet the housekeeper and her husband mm-hmm. and you hear about their struggle, I think it really highlights what you're saying here. Is that it's not just about the Kim family and their failures. Mm. There's a greater failure happening here and it's mm. impacted these two families yeah. who are fighting for, you know, the 0.1% of the pie that's available to them.
2: No, I think that's right. And I have to say I found myself at certain moments tempted to judge the characters a certain way because like, oh, well, if you just did this, you know. And yep. but I think the point of the movie is like, no, like it that you that's an illusion, you know, when um there were multiple moments like that. Like first when they first started lying all over the place, I was like, oh, you know, that's going to come back to bite you, maybe, you know, maybe just <laughs> yep. be honest and then and then the the sun ends up you know, kind of falling for the rich daughter, which is exactly what happened with his friend who got him the job. And I was like, oh no, like, come on, keep your, keep your distance. And then, um, uh, the scene. well, also when the father's like, you know, don't have a plan, you won't be disappointed. it's like, no, no, you gotta have a plan. And then when they're, when they're getting drunk in the house, I mean, that whole scene, I was so uncomfortable. Cause I'm just like, oh my goodness, you have this great opportunity and you are risking everything. <laughs> like, Take the alcohol home, like go to a restaurant. Like, why are you staying in the house? Like, I was But you so see how you labeled that as a great opportunity that they had no, to I lie. Know, and no, you know I, what I'm saying? I, like I, that's no, I totally, I know. I, I think it was totally the movie totally got me thinking, in that way.
1: I would doing that Jason, because the first thing I'm saying is you all are making a lot of money. Why are you spending it? This, yeah, should be, right. you should be saving it. Like yeah. as the daughter is collecting cash after cash and I'm like, pull this money. You are making enough money from this family that this should be, there should be some way that you're like trying to save for an apartment that's better or something. I'm like wanting these people to like cut it together. Put it together, right? Come on, get that plan. Um
0: I I want to talk about the parks, but I just yeah. I want to talk about that scene Jason when they're all getting drunk and then the rich family comes home <laughs> unexpectedly and they and the the Mrs. Park is expecting Ramadan when she gets home in like 10
2: minutes
0: (laughs) and they don't know what it is and they've got to figure and then they all have to like hide under the couch while he like has sex with his wife and they have to hold their breath (laughs) and like the whole scene is really really tense but again that's when I began to feel like understand what the movie was about right look at look at how these people literally on the floor quiet (laughs) while he's just like having sex with his wife, grabbing her boob. They're doing whatever. They're having a a grand old time and they're quiet as mice, just literally under them, just under them. Oh, it was, you know, in some ways, the symbolism is so simplistic, but it doesn't make it any less powerful. Let's talk about the Park family, the Rich family, which is the father who is business. He's all business. No, it's not clear what he does. I don't think we're ever told. The mother stays at home uh, with the- The sort of precocious, he looks to be about like seven, eight years old, and then the teenage daughter. Uh, What did you think about the way that they were portrayed in the movie?
2: I thought it was very real. And it was interesting seeing a movie set in South Korea. I don't claim to know much at all about South Korea. But it seemed very real even for an American family. I mean, you have this woman who stays at home. And yet, I don't mean to, I want to say this without sounding sexist, but like in the movie, like she needs a lot of help. To deal with two kids um she's got you know a full-time housekeeper she's she needs a tutor to come in she needs an art therapist and it's still like really struggling with it and it just she seems you know. exhausted yes <laughs> yeah, that's that's
0: crazy. Right. it's crazy was,
1: but not only does she seem exhausted there's a scene outside where she's taking a nap on a chair on the,
2: on yeah. The, yeah that's right that's I was right like,
1: why are you taking a nap what do you <sighs> but you know what there is something to be said though for the idea that like there is a kind of exhaustion from being unfulfilled right like she's unfulfilled her 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 husband is quite distant i mean you don't get the sense that there's contempt or anything however mr mr um mr kim keeps asking mr park about his yeah for his wife that seems to well, be that, an
0: that's right
1: yeah there's like a whole element of do you really love her don't you yeah. and you get at some point that she's like just an accessory to she's a family. possession yeah, yeah like that's the thing yeah and so in some ways i actually found um miss mrs park really quite sympathetic i didn't dislike her at all i was like you know what you're kind of trapped in a marriage with a guy who's a little bit of a dodo he doesn't really um engage with you very much and then you're at home with a son who has got a problem and a teenage daughter who's in her room. And it's just like...
0: She's by herself.
1: Yeah, what would fulfill this woman? You know what I mean? Like, And what was her plan for herself? Because also, it's very clear that a housewife is not who she is. She doesn't get joy from cooking. You know what I mean? There's none of those things. She doesn't cook.
0: She doesn't doesn't cook. cook. She doesn't doesn't clean. She doesn't parent her children. She doesn't teach them. Yeah,
1: so I was like, the homemaker role is clearly not a fit for her. And so I just kept thinking to myself, I wonder what... What role would have been fit for this woman? Like, she's obviously done the thing you're supposed to do, marry well, clearly, but it doesn't seem to have worked. (laughs) It reminded me of these, like, sort of white housewives that are dying there's some there's some there are a couple of movies that were done in like the early 2000s late 90s with these um sort of like housewives who are so bored by their lives because Oh like she,
0: Pleasantville. Yeah, and that um, whole American genre. Beauty was the inverse. Yeah, uh, like those,
1: yeah. Those, yeah, it really reminded me of those women who were sort of like quietly suffering in their very gilded cages, you know? What right. I mean, mm-hmm. which is exactly what she has. She's in a gilded cage. But then there's this moment where she she's not quite miserable But then there's this moment where you you feel like, you know what, this is exactly what she deserves, which is after the flooding, and she's going out to have the party. And she's just so at, she's so comfortable in that space. The shopping, the dressing.
0: Well, it's the only part of the movie when you think about it that she comes alive.
1: Yes, she's like, ooh. Yeah, that's like- She loves
0: it. And she's not doing any of it. She's just walking to the supermarket pointing at things. (laughs) But she's doing it like it's giving her life. Right. And poor Mrs. Kim falling behind her like and and Mr. Kim, like driving her everywhere, throwing everything into the car. And she's like, yes, this, yes, this we will need this, this cake. and She's loving it. But it's funny you talk about fulfillment because in that moment, it seems like it's it's the first time she doesn't come across as nervous or naive. She's completely commanding that space. Yeah.
1: And it's such a contrast to the misery of the Kims from the night before.
0: Because they all had to
1: get dressed and they had to go get clothes from wherever. I don't know. Those clothes must have stunk because they were picking them up from donations on the floor for different things. And I just was like, wow, this contrast is so stark. But yet she's so alive. It reminded me of like having interactions with friends or people that call themselves friends and they're like savaging you and you're miserable, but they're having the best time. And you're like, I have this memory of our interaction. I'm like, Wait, I was dying there, but you're like, mm-hmm. I was having the best time. Ever. But at least
0: that—that's a little—that's a little bit more active than what was happening in the movie, because like <laughs> in that moment, she was so involved. Mrs. Park was so involved she couldn't even tell that the Kims were miserable. But then again, maybe—I mean, did she ever notice the Kims? Right, I don't know. Do any of them ever speak. notice the Kims? They they're smell them.
1: The kid does. Do you notice how the? Yeah, you notice the little the theme kid, of smell? the boy. Yeah. The, the the theme of smell is they have the same laundry. They yeah. smell the same. Like you're, that's how like, oh, it gosh. starts.
0: That's yep. how it starts, right? But then, like later, when the dad like sniffs the husband and has the same disgust as when he sm- smells the Kims, I think that's when it really weaves the idea together. It's like, oh, this is there's two worlds. One smells like this, and the other one doesn't. I I really liked the way they use smell because it's the little boy. Uh, who uh, first identifies that Mr. Kim and Mrs. Kim smell similar. So yeah. then they're like, oh, should we try different laundry? Like they think that's it. <laughs> but it's the smell of poverty that stinks to, that's like clings to right. them. Right. that right. They can't you be and free and the of. Smell of poverty. <laughs> it's brutal though, right? It's, it's brutal. It's so, it's simple and effective. I want to say the acting was phenomenal, by the way. Just amazing. I mean, there wasn't a single person I didn't believe. And honestly, I think uh, Mrs. Park, for all of her the shallowness of her oh, character, she, she delivered clever. that beautifully.
1: I mean, vacuousness is very difficult to do.
2: <laughs> no, they were all great. All the acting, as you said, was just Holy crap. It was perfect.
1: What did the movie fail to do? Did the movie have any failures for you?
2: I mean, again, I've only seen it once, but I was mesmerized the whole time. And I thought just the combination of, of kind of humor and and grotesqueness there there's nothing i can think of that i thought didn't work i can't think of a thing i'm not saying like trisha you might have something in mind yeah i'm not saying it's a perfect movie
1: you know there are there are no such thing as perfect movies i Mm -hmm. mean let's talk about the violence did the violence feel too much
0: funny i was watching it with someone who reacted very strong to that scene and then decided he didn't like the movie because he's like that violence came out of nowhere. And I was like, but that violence was kind of simmering from the beginning of the movie, movie. Like I think that's the point of the movie is that like that's always underneath these interactions. The way that I think about the violence in the third act is that that's the true metaphor, right? It's the rage of having to live like this. It's the rage of having to settle for nothing and to fight other people for parts of nothing when people have so much. It's the rage of like wanting to look after your own family. This Mr. Kim sees his daughter murdered in front of him and he tries to go to her. But this rich man is like, no, my kid's hurt. Bring the car around and we're taking him to the hospital. And the rage of that just erupts. Like it seems, I think when you're sitting in the theater, the first time you're watching it and you don't know what's gonna happen, it seems to come out of nowhere. But after I left the theater, I realized that it had been there all along.
2: Well, and, you know, one interesting thing there, and again, I don't, it's too bad. I don't speak Korean, so I don't know, you know, what connotations the word parasite has. But I went to see it with with my girlfriend. And when I first mentioned it, she was like, oh, parasite. No, it sounds like a horror movie. I hate horror movies. And I was like, no, 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 it's not a horror movie. And then when we left the theater, she goes, in the end, it was a horror movie. It was like, you know what? In the end, it was like, you know, <laughs> that, that term parasite obviously is fascinating in the movie, right? Because like, who's a parasite on whom? Um, and, and again, it sounds like a horror movie, as you're watching it halfway through, it's like, wait a minute, there's no what, there's, there's no like, you know, insect or virus, you know, killing these people. But in the end, it's like, wow, like, yeah. It, and, and I also I'm thinking about what you said, Chris, what's so interesting, right, is that the violence that happened that frankly, is very common in our societies was a poor person stabbing another poor person right and that's how it started then of course you have mr kim stab mr park that you know to have the access to do that is actually very rare like that was more i don't want to use the word fantasy like it's a good thing but like that that was the part that's like you know what rarely does a person who's been as kind of oppressed as this person get close enough to someone who's that wealthy to be smelled by them and to actually be violent against them. And it's a cathartic moment,
0: I imagine, for Mr. Kim. Because of what Trisha was noting earlier, in sort of like his character, we understand that he kind of didn't have a plan from the first act of the movie, you know, when they're all like Oliver Twist-style rogues, you know, like we get this sense that they're kind of like moving through life in this way. When Mr. Kim is able to kill Mr. Park, I imagine there's some sort of catharsis. It's like the arc of his character. This is serious suddenly. Like, it, like the seriousness of it all like weighs heavily on that scene. And he just lashes out. And it's, it's terrible to be whole, not just because of the violence. I think just because the idea that he, he was probably mad for a really long time. The, hum, the humiliation of having to live this way and accept it. Like it just comes out in that scene for me.
1: What about, um, what do you all think about the Native American elements? What do you think that was about? Mm-hmm.
0: Bong says that the young boy in the film is obsessed with Indians and Native Americans. And he says it's a nod to the themes, the themes that he wove into the movies about colonialism and imperialism. And the idea that the Native Americans in America have such a rich culture. And that in the movie, the boy treats it like a prop to be put on and thrown away. You know, very similar to the conversations we have about appropriation here in America. So that's... That's from the director, like why that was injected into the film in that way. Like just well, the as a rich boy, he's able to throw it on and take it off and it, it's both a costume and a toy, regardless of like the pain um, and, and length of that history of those people.
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought it was really fascinating at the end because that's where the climactic violence is happening as well as, because also I was thinking to myself, you want them to pretend to be Native American with axes. Right. And so, therefore, when violence actually comes, you're not even aware that it's violent because the play is violent. The play acting is so violent that you're going to miss the fact that something really hor- horrendous is happening around you. Because at first, people think it's part of the show, right? Until it's the so blood true. starts flowing. Yeah, right? It's yeah. Like, so, it's like, so, in a strange yeah. way, thinking about the fact that there's a kind of violent play... That the family is acting out, the rich family is acting out such that they're not even aware when it shifts into something really violent.
0: And uh, yes. And, and, and I was like, this, as,
1: this is gonna about to take a turn for y'all. As
0: part of the metaphor, the fact that, like, you know, the whole idea was that Mr. Kim was going to be a Native American and then he yep. was going to be stopped by, yep. and the idea that he should end up killing the oppressor in that play, the play <laughs> in the movie is significant. It was significant to the director. So we loved Parasite, five stars. I don't care about the Oscars, but sure, it deserved all of them. It was the first non-English language movie to win best picture ever. Yeah. You know, when you like a
1: movie, the awards are like so secondary. Yeah, who cares? I I mean, mean, but I I never care about
0: the awards. Who gives a shit? Like, it was great. Everyone see it, doesn't matter if it won an Oscar. It was phenomenal. So, you know, we're in the midst of this um, plague moment. And so let's wrap this up just by really quickly, how have you been keeping yourself busy? You've been thinking about Parasite, yes, but how have you been keeping yourself busy while socially
2: distancing yourself from every
0: other human being? <laughs> Jason? Jason? <laughs>
2: It's weird. I hear all these lists about like, what are you going to do with your time? I feel like I've been really busy because I got my kids at home I'm trying to keep them busy. They do have schoolwork to do. Chris is rolling his eyes just so the <laughs> listeners know. I've got Sorry. I've got my job to do. I'm trying to keep up with. So I don't feel like I've been bored. I, I will say I'm watching my share of Key and peel skits, which I typically do. I am in the middle of yet another Russian spy novel Gorky Park, which I remember there was a popular movie when I was a kid. I never saw it, but um, the novel's actually really good. Um, so I'm not doing anything extraordinary. Leave it to Jason to be busy in this moment.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so pretty much it's it's just business as usual, huh? Kids, spy novels, work, 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 work. Right? That's what you're doing. That is true. Oh, yeah, there it is, <laughs> Trisha. Anything? Anything a little bit more varied or interesting? <laughs> Damn it, Jason. You get well, to stay th- home all day and do whatever you want. And that's what you're doing, what you do every other day.
1: It's amazing. Um, so, you know, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a book. I was a book lover. I want to say I am a book lover, but I have to claim I was a book lover. I haven't comfortably read a book since I read Michelle Obama's book, which was, I think, last January or this year. Oh, I don't know. So I think I'm going to try to return to reading books. And so I had picked up a book at a um, bookstore in Dubai, and it is called Sex and the Citadel, Intimate Life in a Changing Arab World. And so it's essentially about this woman who goes around talking to Arab women about their sex life.
0: Recommend it when you're done. I'd love to hear more about this once you're actually finished with it.
1: Your question to me was, what was I trying to do in isolation? I was like, I'm trying to read books. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
0: Good luck. I am um,
1: Thank
0: you. What have I been doing? Today Name. I stayed on the couch all day. Yeah, I've been playing a lot of Xbox. I also, <laughs> this is going to turn into a low-key recommendation. I watched all 6 seasons of BoJack Horseman. Oh, okay. Uh, is it good? It I know we're not doing full recommendations, so maybe I'll save this for the actual like episodes, but like it was phenomenal. It was, I've never seen anything on TV like it before. It's definitely a comedy, mm-hmm. but there's so much, it has so much to say about mental health, about marriage, about divorce, about being a good friend, about being a drug addict, about being alcoholic. It's amazing. It's so good. So that's that's what I've been keeping myself busy with. And I, I I devoured the whole thing. It's a lot, but I was watching it and I was like, why am I crying at this cartoon? <laughs> Like, oh. why are my eyes wet? Like, why am I so moved? I have to stop watching this right now and look out a window and sigh. Like, what's I have, happening?
2: I have to say, it's I read so the description good. once and I was like, this sounds so weird. If you read it, it, oh,
0: it's totally weird. It's completely weird. But like, once you watch it, it's, it's as weird as The Simpsons was when it first came out. Do you know what I mean? It's weird. And once you get into the world, you're there. Um, but anyway, that's already too long. I'm going to wrap it up. And we're going to wrap it up. So, um on that note everybody, we'll see you next week for the next episode. But until then, bye. Uh-